Good morning, Mercy Vineyard. I'm Lee Bazaar, lead pastor here, and uh, so glad that you are with us, that you're joining us virtually in this case. Uh, glad that you are here. Uh, glad that you're a part of the church. Glad that you are worshiping with us and digging into God's word. And so we're going to start off this morning by saying our vision statement for Mercy Vineyard what we're all about and still about and will always be about. And so let's say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. We are loving Jesus. We're loving each other. Uh, we are growing in Christ, and we're going, we're serving each other, and we're serving Him. And I hope that during this season you are finding opportunities, creative opportunities, to serve and bless others. So this morning what we're doing is we are concluding our two-part series on healing that we started last week. And last week we talked about how God's desire uh, for us is for something that's even greater than healing. Uh, that His desire is for our total wholeness, our total wholeness. And hopefully you've been pursuing wholeness over this last week. That God, uh, we talked about how God heals supernaturally and how God also heals through other things. He heals through doctors. He heals through nutrition. He heals through uh, other things. And we talked about how our words have a very important impact when it comes to our healing. And that we should never give up when pursuing healing and wholeness. Just keep going. That's, it's a lifelong pursuit. And so uh, there's this old saying I want to share with you real quick, and you've probably heard this old saying before, and um, it goes like this. Hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Um, and you've probably heard that saying before, and you, maybe you've even kind of experienced that before, where... Uh, someone uh, has hurt you who is kind of a hurt person, and you've seen that uh, cycle down. And I think in this area of healing and extending healing to others, um, that the saying, hurting people hurt people, healed people heal people, it makes a really uh, great platitude, but I don't fully agree with it. I don't fully agree with that statement. I believe that hurting people can bring healing to others. I believe that hurting people can bring healing to others. And uh, that God can partner with anyone that he chooses to partner with to breathe healing and wholeness into others. And I hopefully, when you hear me say that this morning, hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Because you might be hurting, you might be uh, in pain and feeling, well, I can't bring healing to others because I'm hurting. And I want to say, just be free to bring healing to whomever God uh, points out to you, okay? I know that there was a time in my life when uh, healing was desperately needed. And I know that there, uh, in the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, healing is desperately needed. All around us, all around us, healing is desperately needed. And God is calling his church, God is calling you, God is calling me, 
to rise up and to be the miracle in our culture, in our society, in our world that people desperately need. And it's always been that way uh, ever since the inception of the church 2,000 years ago. The church is still God's primary vehicle for changing the world and bringing healing to the world. And so uh, I can remember a lot of times in my life when I needed some healing, whether it was a physical ailment, and there's been times when that's happened, whether it's been an emotional wound or mental anguish, lots of times in my life where I really needed healing, and it was almost always someone from the church. It was almost always someone from the body of Christ uh, who came along and who prayed for me, who encouraged me, uh, who sat with me in my pain, who uh, showed generosity towards me. God has used the church, the church, the big C church, uh, to bring healing and blessing in my life more times than I can even count. God uses other people, and he uh, loves to use people from the church. And so maybe you've experienced that in your life. Uh, maybe if it was someone from the church who brought you meals when you were in crisis. And I know we've done that as a church. When, when someone has been in crisis here at Mercy Vineyard, other people from Mercy have gone, let me bring some meals. What can I do? Right? I love that about this church in particular. Or maybe someone from the church prayed for you, for you when you really needed it. Um, it's the church being the church. And when the church is the church, miracles happen. Healing happens. Because the church is an agent for healing. It's an agent for wholeness. God uses that. And so I want to talk today just about how we can actually be healing agents in our world. How can we be healing agents in our world? Uh, you know, we've been recipients, right? We've been recipients of healing. If I said, how many here have ever been blessed by someone at church? You've been blessed, you've been prayed for, you've experienced healing, you've um, experienced, you know, uh, you've had a need met or whatever. Everybody can go, yeah, but how can we, we all of us, be that? And uh, we're going to talk about that, but first, real quick, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we get to partner with you to be healing agents in our world. God, we get to lock arms with you, and we get to do what you're doing and go where you're going, and uh, we just love it. And so, God, I pray that you would open our eyes today, that you would help us to see the opportunities that you've laid out before us. God, let your word come alive and bring transformation to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start off by uh, sharing a story uh, from the book of Ezekiel. And in, in this instance, the nation of Israel had lost hope. The nation of Israel was in a bad place. They were tired. They were defeated. They were dead inside. And God took the prophet Ezekiel out to this valley filled with corpses, filled with dry bones, the dead dry bones of an army. And he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, and he told them to speak life into them. And as he did, the bones came back together, flesh regrew on them, and they stood up. And they, 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 uh, it says here in chapter 37, verses 11 through 14, it says, 
Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. You ever feel like dry bones? Yeah, you ever feel dead? And it says, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Wow. Okay, so listen, if you remember one thing this morning, just one thing, I want you to remember this. You are the miracle that others are looking for. You are the miracle that others are looking for. And you know what? There's a lot of people looking for miracles. And there's a lot of, a lot of miracles that are needed in people's life. And guess what? You're that miracle. And so when God wants to do a miracle, he uses people, right? We see this in scripture time and time again. He used Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery. He used Samson to defeat the Philistines. He used Elisha to heal Naaman. He used the disciples to deliver people from demonic torment. He used Paul to plant churches. When God wants to do a miracle, he uses people. He uses people just like you and just like me. We are the miracle. We're the miracle. Not the church as an institution, right? Don't we hear that a lot of times? The church needs to, the church needs to. You know what? Every time we hear or we say the church needs to, fill in the blank, we're saying you need to. You need to, right? The people need to. But the church as a family of God, you are the miracle that others are looking for. So how do we walk this out? How do we walk that out in a practical way? Well, first of all, Keep your vision white hot. Keep your passion white hot. It's so important that as believers, no matter what we're going through, whether we're uh, out living normal life or whether experiencing prosperity or lack, whether we're sheltered in place or whether we are uh, feeling energetic or whether we're feeling sick, right? We have a responsibility to keep our vision white hot. God has given us dreams. God has given us visions. God has spoken in his word and told us what to do. Uh, he, he has given you the directives in his word. And it's so important that we keep that vision white hot, that we don't let that vision to be the miracle uh, fade. Okay, so keep it white hot. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, 8, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. We, sh we should all have that vision to bring healing, to be the miracle, and to keep that vision white hot, to keep it in front of us. Keep that vision fresh in you. Don't let your vision to be the healing for others uh, become clouded by your circumstances or be clouded by the cares of the world. Ask yourself, what is God's perspective? What is God's perspective? And I hope that you are asking yourself that every day. What's God's perspective? What's God's perspective on this pandemic? What's God's perspective on the needs in our society? What's God's perspective on my neighbor? What's God's perspective? Ask yourself, what is God's perspective? The next thing is this, is shift from critic to intercessor. 
shift from critic to intercessor. We live in a culture where everybody's a critic today. Everybody's spouting the op their opinions and their criticisms, and it's just ridiculous. But I don't believe that that is a godly stance or a godly attitude. But God wants us to shift from critic to intercessor, and it's important that we not define other people by their circumstances or by their brokenness. Because don't we do that? We tend to define people by their brokenness, right? She's just an addict, right? She just can't stay in a good relationship. You know, he just can't keep a job. And we tend to define people by their circumstances and we define people by their brokenness. But I believe that God's perspective is one of hope and potential. And so God wants us to see, the church to see, you and me to see the potential in others and, and uh, not define them by their brokenness, okay? Hope and potential inspires us to pray, but criticism brings a sense of despair, right? So when we criticize our politicians, what do we do? We, we have despair. We don't pray for them. We don't intercede for them. We don't have a sense of hope and potential for them. When we criticize our family members or we criticize uh, different things, different people, it brings despair instead of hope. We want to have hope for them. We want to understand that there's potential, that God can do all things, anything, okay? And so then we pray. So the question we ask ourselves is, how can I pray? How can I pray, right? Because 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live uh, peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So rather than criticizing, rather than, you know, uh, uh, identifying people by their brokenness and, and defining them by that. Instead, we pray for all people. Uh, everybody should have 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 on their refrigerator or someplace where they can see it because there's so much criticism flying around, okay? How can I pray? The third is this, speak life. Remember last week, we talked about how our words make a difference, how our words make a difference in our healing. Well, you know what? Your words make a difference in other people's healing too. Your words make a difference in other people's healing too. Uh, it's so important that we not, like I said, define people by their circumstances or of a brokenness or their brokenness. God told Ezekiel what? When he stood over the valley of dry bones, he told them to speak over the bones. He told them to speak over the bodies that were in the valley. And the power of life and death is in our words. The power of life and death. And you know what? They're not just the words that come out of our tongue. The power of life and death is in our social media posts. Okay? The power of life and death is in our demeanor that we carry around others. The power of life and death is in all that we communicate. So whether they're words that come out of our mouths, whether they're posts on Facebook, or whether they're just the way that our demeanor that we carry when we walk through a room, or, or in our homes even, the power of life and death is in that. So call out the blessings. Call out the positive. Call out the hope that we have. Speak those things. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think that we 
we live in a time where sometimes it can feel like everything's going to hell in a handbasket, right? Everything's just falling apart. Look at that. You know what, though? There's still so much that we can be grateful for. And we need to be the people, we need to be the people that when, all, when the world is in chaos, when everything else is falling apart, we need to be the people that are speaking life. Speak life. Speak hope. Okay? So ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling? What is the story that I'm telling? What is, when people look at me, what is the narrative that they see? Is it one of hope? Is it one of growth? Is it one of life? Or is it one of uh, criticism? Is it one of despair? Is it, uh, is it a story that doesn't breathe a whole lot of life into people? What is the story I'm telling? And then lastly, be the someone in the phrase, someone should do something about that. Right? So let me just say that again. In the phrase, someone should do something about that, be the someone. Be the someone. Awareness isn't doing something. Can I just say that again? We live in a world where there's so much awareness. I mean, we got awareness coming out our ears. Awareness this, awareness that. Hashtag awareness. And we think that we're doing something with our awareness. And usually, with all of our awareness that we're spouting and posting, we're just causing greater divisions, greater despair, greater anxiety. Awareness isn't doing something. Announcing a need in our world is not the same as meeting a need. Okay? In fact, I think what we see a lot of times when people are announcing needs, you know what they're doing? They're just virtue signaling. You know what that means? It's look at me, look how virtuous I am, I care about this. But you know what? If all you're doing is just, is just spreading your awareness, it doesn't mean you really care about it. It just means you want people to see how caring you are, <laughs> right? And, and if I had more time, I'd go off on that some more. Some of you should thank me that I don't have more time. Uh, but, you know, announcing a need in our world is not the same as meeting a need. It's not. It's saying someone should do something about this. The church, whatever that means, should do something about that. But that's not being an agent of healing. Okay? You are here. You are here. The one who cares about whatever need that is, you are here for such a time as this. You are here for such a time as this. And, and bringing healing to those around you, it, 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 it means, it often means rolling up your sleeves, right? Rolling up your sleeves, stepping out of your comfort zone, and following the example of Jesus. See, we have this incredible example of Jesus who prayed for the sick, who cared for the needy, who demonstrated the radical love and acceptance of the Father. Okay? Aren't you guys glad that as a church that we didn't sit there going, somebody should do something about what's happening with foster care. Somebody should do something to, to, to help those kids. Somebody should do something about the abused and neglected children. Awareness. Aren't you glad that we didn't do that? Oh, 
we, we did and are serving in that area because that's how you bring healing is by doing something. Okay, and so uh, Jesus cared for the needy. He demonstrated that radical love and acceptance of the Father. Ask yourself, in being a healing agent, whom can I serve today? Whom can I serve today? Now, you might be thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm, in, I'm social distancing. I can't serve anybody. Just, I want to I settle something right now in the middle of all this. If you're listening to this, we're social distancing. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's not a pass to stop serving others. It is not a pass to stop serving others. We are not locked in our homes. We can put on our masks and our gloves and we can go help our neighbor, right? We can help people from six feet apart. And there are people in your very own home, in your very own neighborhood, whom that you can help. It's not a pass. You can still send an encouraging text. You can still give to a charity or an organization. There are still things that you can do. And so I just want you to know that at, as agents of healing, a pandemic is not a pass to stop serving others. And so ask yourself, whom can you serve today? Whom can you bless? Whom can you encourage? And so uh, it's so important that we be the someone and someone should do something about that. So as we close today, I want, I want you to sign up for the life that God has called you to. You know, it's, it's, I think it's easy to sign up for the blessings that God has won for us. It's so easy to sign up for, you know, that forgiveness and that grace and all those wonderful things. But you know what? It's important that we also sign up to live the life that God has called us to. And that's to be agents of healing. And so keep the vision clear. Keep it clear. Don't let it fade. Be an intercessor. Speak life. Be the change. You are the miracle that others are looking for. You are the miracle that others are looking for. And you know what? The, the day and the age of healing and wholeness and the, the best is still yet to come. And so uh, let's go ahead and pray. And then Wendy and Hudson are coming back for one last song. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to challenge us. God, I pray that none of us, none of us in your church would take a pass when it comes to being agents of healing. Oh, God, that we wouldn't forget what you have called us to. Lord, God, we self-preservation and being a healing agent, we can't do the same thing. It can't be, it's not the same thing. God, that we would be people that uh, bless others with courage, that bless others with, uh, with every resource that we have at our disposal. And so, God, we pray that your church would be known as a place of healing as a people of healing, as a people of healing, God. God, we love you so much. You are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys, we're going to go ahead and worship, and uh, we'll see you guys soon.